to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. Welcome back to another edition of the Lions of Liberty podcast. And we had a little mini hiatus there. We took a couple weeks off. I hope you used your time off wisely. Hope you got some reading in. Hope you took some nice walks on the beach. If you're lucky enough to live near the beach like me. If not, maybe you took some nice walks, you know, wherever it is you walk. As long as you use your time wisely, that's all that matters. And hey, maybe, maybe you even might use that time to catch up on the past episodes of the Lions of Liberty podcast. You can find them all over at lionsofliberty.com slash podcast. Or you can subscribe on iTunes. Download them right to your phone, your iPad, for easy listening on the go. You can also add them to a playlist on the Stitcher radio app. That's right. I'm getting to the plugs right off the bat today. But hey, if I don't promote my own show, who's going to? Hopefully you guys, but hey, that's up to you. All right. If I give you good guests and I give you a good show and I can help you find you know more ideas about libertarianism to talk about, then hopefully you will promote the show on your own. Now, you've been patiently waiting for a new podcast, so I'm going to try to make your wait worth it, because I've got a great next few weeks planned to close out the year. Next week, I'll be speaking with John Whitehead, founder and president of the Rutherford Institute, a great organization out there defending civil liberties. And the following week, we will have the first ever Lions of Liberty Holiday Spectacular extravaganza special edition call it whatever you want because it's going to be a good time we're going to have some special guests we're going to discuss the past year in liberty hand out some naughty or nice awards and just generally have a good old fun time to close out the year but before we get to all that stuff i'm going to bring in my guest today she is a policy analyst for freedom works she was voted blogger of the year at this year's cpac and she's got a heck of a YouTube channel. She is the token libertarian girl, Julie Borowski. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Hey, thank you for having me on. I'm absolutely thrilled to have you here. Now, you have a real knack for laying out libertarian issues in very you know, simple and direct terms through your writing, especially through your videos. But before we get into all that, I'm curious, just how did you get started in all this libertarian stuff? What got you interested in libertarian ideas? Oh, gosh, it's kind of a long story, I suppose. But I actually grew up a very hardcore conservative Republican. I almost want to say neoconservative. I loved the Republican Party. Uh, Bob Dole was my favorite when I was about, like, eight years old. I really liked George W. Bush in high school, which is so embarrassing now. (laughs) But I learned about libertarianism partly through my grandfather and partly just searching online for political things, and I ran into this one called Libertarian, and this was really what I believed, because these are the people that we're talking about, less government, less spending, not the Republican Party whatsoever. These are the more principled people, but I didn't really get active in the Libertarian movement until Ron Paul in 2007 on Facebook. I found out about this guy called Ron Paul, and he was amazing because he believed in everything that I believed in. So I really started online trying to spread the message when I found out about Ron Paul. I started a YouTube channel a couple years later, and I got hired at Freedom Work. And yeah, that's kind of a long story, but that's kind of how I got involved. 
Now, you mentioned you were kind of a, a neocon, so to speak. For people out there that might not be you know, completely familiar with that term, neoconservative, what does that mean? What were your views kind of before you discovered libertarianism? I was very into a hardcore, aggressive foreign policy. I kind of wanted to bomb the Middle East, to be honest. I didn't understand why. I just knew, especially after 9-11, that really affected me and that I wanted to go after the bad guys in Afghanistan and Iraq and you know, blow them up. And, you know, that's so silly to say now, but it's really an aggressive foreign policy. Right. And if you buy the narrative that they lay out for you, I mean, it does make sense. These evil people attack innocent people. So it's, you know, obviously we should be outraged. We should want to go after them. But it's only when you start thinking of, you know, the why. Why why does that attack happen? Why does terrorism exist in the first place that you start to look at things a little differently? And you mentioned there that you, you voted earlier, that you voted for George Bush. That was actually my first vote as an adult was for George W. Bush. So whenever anyone asks me that question, I kind of have to bow my head and shame a little bit. <laughs> What do you think is kind of the biggest roadblock to advancing kind of the ideas of liberty as you've you know come into this activism of yours? The biggest roadblock, there's a lot of different reasons. I actually asked my Facebook page yesterday, why aren't more people libertarians? And I think there's a lot of different answers to that question. Part of it is our education system. People are not being taught real history. You know, I wasn't required to take an economics class in high school. When I think about it, that's just crazy. So a lot of people don't understand libertarian ideas. When they first hear them, because they've never been exposed, they think they're crazy. You know, what, what do these anarchists want? It's not that crazy. Freedom and liberty, you know, our country's kind of based on those ideas, and it's not crazy. Another thing is a lot of libertarians aren't that great at spreading the message. They're very aggressive people, to be honest. I don't really understand that, because libertarians are supposed to be live and let live. But some people are very highly intellectual. They don't know how to communicate to the normal person. And that's kind of what I tried to do with my YouTube channel is put some humor in it because a lot of people are kind of off put by, you know, aggressive libertarian. This is why we're right. And if you do it with a laugh and a smile and start to get a good reaction from people, they're really receptive to the message that way. So that's what I try to do with my YouTube channel. Make it entertaining, make it fun, make it humorous, hopefully. And yeah, that's one of the things I absolutely love about your YouTube videos. You're not afraid, but you make a point of just inserting humor, dressing up in ridiculous costumes, uh, doing silly voices, just pretty much being ridiculous and not, not, not being shy about it. And it's that kind of stuff. You know, in a way, it's just you being real, though. I assume you're probably a silly kind of silly person in real life. So it's, it's doing that kind of things and approaching people in that kind of way that I think really opens people's minds in ways that they wouldn't be otherwise when you're just doing that kind of instinct that a lot of us have, which is just to yell at people when they don't agree with you because you're so kind of shocked by the fact that they, they see a certain way. But we have to remember, we all kind of thought a different way at one point in our lives. Like you said, you used to be a neocon. You used to want to bomb the Middle East. So it's really helpful for all of us to take a little bit of a step back and just kind of remember what we, you know, quote unquote, used to be before we became libertarians, you know? Yeah, definitely. You know, I my, most of my videos are ridiculous. I've done some really kind of just stupid stuff, to be honest. I had a trans fat video recently. I just stuffed my face with donuts. Yeah, it's ridiculous, but it gets people to laugh. And they're like, hey, maybe this girl, she's crazy, but she might have a point. So I really get them to watch my videos. I've got a lot of messages from people saying, you know, I don't agree with pretty much anything you say, but I continue to watch your videos, which is great because I just don't want to preach to the choir. I want to reach a bunch of different people from all different perspectives. Uh, what's your favorite video that you've made over the years here? 
My favorite video? Oh my gosh, that's a difficult question. I like doing the funny ones because my favorite thing to do is making people laugh. I've always wanted to be on like Saturday Night Live. But one video that means the most to me is my, I did a video called Why I Became Anti-War. And it's very serious. It's actually black and white. And I talk very slow. And I just kind of tell my story and how I became anti-war. That's really meaningful to me and something I'm proud of. But I've also done videos on how to avoid rape. And I peed my pants. I pretended <laughs> to puke. That, like that, that stuff is really funny to me. And to see people comment on it and say that I made them laugh, that's really fun. So I'm pretty much proud of all the videos I've done. There's a lot, I guess. What advice would you give to other, you know, young budding libertarians out there that are kind of like you and me at some point became inspired by the ideas of liberty and just feel that need to get it out there? Maybe they want to start a blog or a YouTube channel. What what advice would you give to somebody like that? Sure. If they really want to start a YouTube channel, I would say just start one because honestly, I didn't know what I was doing when I started a YouTube channel at all. I had no idea about cameras. No, I had no idea about editing, anything like that. I just kind of started and if you look at my first couple of videos, they're really kind of just awful as far as quality. But everyone on YouTube, when you look at the first videos, they're really bad. So you'll learn as you go what works and what doesn't work. Another piece of advice is just ignore people that troll you. Because if you're on YouTube, you're going to get negative comments. You're going to get really mean, awful comments. The worst thing you've ever heard in your life is going to be aimed at you. But you can't give up. And you, over time, you're just like, eh, it doesn't really matter. I would say to make videos on relevant topics that people are talking about. I look at what's trending on Twitter. I look what's trending on the news. Look at people talking about it. I try to put a libertarian spin on things because that's what people are searching for that day. It's Obamacare. I try to put a libertarian spin on it. And really just have fun with it because if you're not having fun making videos, if it's kind of a chore, you're not going to continue making them. So just upload constantly and engage with your audience too. I try to comment on a bunch of different comments so then I actually read all my comments and respond to people. And this is the theme we touch on a lot here at the podcast, talking to our guests. You know, when you have a passion for something and, and you know you got to spread certain ideas or for whatever reason, you just got to pick up one day and decide you're going to do it. I mean, I wasn't a writer a couple of years ago. and One day we just started blogging and then that turned into a website. And a couple of months ago, I didn't know anything about making a podcast. And then one day I said, screw it, bought a mic and, you know, got going. And you're going to learn as you go along and everything. But someday you just got to make the decision to just do it and, you know, just kind of sort it out as you go. Now, you've generated a little bit of controversy from time to time uh, with uh -oh. some of your columns. Don't worry, I'm not going to surprise you or anything, but I'm just wondering if you could touch on that a little bit. Like, what are some of the, the main issues that have generated controversy when you've kind of spoken out on certain subjects? There's been a couple controversies. Most are from outside the libertarian movement. Liberal, It's a lot of liberals just commenting and saying I'm crazy. Let's see, controversies were I did an abortion video that was kind of controversial, why I'm pro-life, just because I don't like abortion. I think it's murder. That kind of gave a lot of controversy. There was another video, which I assume you're talking about it, at least hinting at it, is why there aren't that many female libertarians. 
and I was accused of slut shaming. Um, that's just kind of ridiculous because I that was not. I don't see what's so controversial about it. If I if I knew it was going to be controversial, I would have gone back and edited some stuff and cut some stuff out and tried to explain it better. But it really wasn't that controversial. I think a lot of people just want to be offended by something and causing outrage. And I think some of those issues there, there's kind of some confusion on what libertarianism is really. I mean, when you're talking about slut shaming and you kind of expressing your views, you know, on just your own personal views on certain issues, somehow certain people kind of think that libertarians are all supposed to be libertines and we're all supposed to support certain kind of extravagant lifestyles or, or what have you. But really libertarianism is really just about what you are allowed to do within a legal frame, you know, what we're supposed to yeah. use violence on, not necessarily what we personally believe. And I think that is kind of where controversy comes in. People are like, well, you're supposed to be a libertarian. You're supposed to be all for this and that. But, you know, that's not necessarily what libertarianism is. No, libertarianism is just the role of government, and I pretty much want the government out of everything. But I don't want to make one-dimensional videos where I just say, healthcare, I want the government out of it. Education, I want the government out of it. Because that's kind of silly. You know, I have personal opinions, and just because I'm a libertarian, that's my political belief, but it means I can express personal opinions. And I found it really effective to reach out to more conservative people. And, you know, like I said, I was a conservative growing up. So when we talk about, you know, the war on drugs, I think it's more helpful to say, you know, I oppose drug use, but I believe it should be legalized. I believe conservatives will be like, hey, maybe this girl has a point. I'm going to listen to her instead of just saying, hey, you know, drugs are great. The personal beliefs don't really matter that much. It just you want the government out of it. Right. And it's kind of the difference between saying, you know, I support the legalization of heroin, meaning I don't want to throw someone in a cage for having it. That doesn't mean I think heroin is good or support the use of yeah. heroin or anything like that. I think heroin's addictive and terrible and destroys lives. So I wouldn't support anyone using it. At the same time, I don't see how it's productive to also throw that person who's already made that bad decision into a cage and further ruin their life. Completely agree with you. Moving on to uh, FreedomWorks, I'm curious, how did you get involved with the organization FreedomWorks? How did you first get started there, and what does your role as a policy analyst exactly entail? I was an intern for FreedomWorks back in 2010. It was actually my last semester in college. I opted to do an internship instead of going to classes. And I got involved with FreedomWorks because I looked at all the conservative and libertarian D.C. organizations I'm from the area, and honestly, FreedomWorks was the only one to give me a chance. And so I started an internship there, and I really loved the organization. It was principled. It was a fun organization. I got hired ever since. So I started working here the summer of 2011. A lot of people don't know that I actually started working here before I ever got involved in YouTube. I'm a policy analyst, so I do a lot of writing, research. I just wrote a couple op-eds on Obamacare and minimum wage. So it's mostly just writing here. My YouTube channel is completely on the side. Mostly I just film on the weekends. Gotcha. Now, what is the specific mission of FreedomWorks itself for those that aren't you know, as familiar with the organization? Well, our slogan is lower taxes, less government, and more freedom. We do a lot of different stuff. I'm on the policy team, so I do the writing and research. We also have a PAC where we endorse candidates. We have a campaigns team. If you have a grassroots organization that we can give you edu education materials and help out your group. So we have a, gosh, I, we have like millions of members nationwide that we help out with our grassroots, you know, Tea Party groups and we have a huge network there. 
Uh, what would you say to the charge? I've kind of heard this from time to time that Freedom Works is just kind of a Republican organization. You know, it's just, they support kind of Republican candidates, and it, it's more focused in that way than it is on actual ideas. Well, I'm on the policy team, so all I do is ideas. I don't have anything to do with, you know, endorsing candidates or anything like that. If you go to our blog, you'll see a bunch of blogs. I write on the blog for really about just ideas. We just, we're mostly an economic organization. We don't touch social issues. Recently, more on civil liberties, which is something I'm really proud of and something I'm doing at Freedom Works. So we're also about ideas, definitely. Right, I want to pass along a question from a reader of mine, Trent Seaman or from a listener of ours, I guess. We, he's a reader, was well on our website. So his question is, you know, for our women libertarians out there, what advice can you give them for helping other women understand the benefits of libertarianism as opposed to just, you know, thinking and voting along a standard, you know, Democrat, Republican mindset? I think that's a hard question for me to answer because women, just like men, they're diverse. They have different interests and different concerns. So I'm not sure there's a blanket statement on how we can outreach to women. I think in general, it's good just to be nice and polite and just keep it simple because if you give a bunch of complicated, long, you know, blog posts about libertarians, like people are not going to read them. So, you know, like my videos are short. Most are under five minutes because people would want to watch that most people have, you know, ADD on the internet and they just want something really quick that they can easily digest. So I think that's good. Like I said, I use humor with my videos, which is really receptive to most anyone. Not, it's not, you know, I don't know. It's very hard for me to answer that question because I just kind of want to reach everyone, not just a specific gender. Now, if you don't mind, you, one of your most recent videos was about frequently asked questions about libertarians. And it's a really good one. I just watched it last night. And if you don't mind, I want to just kind of run through a few of the objections that you respond to on that video and just get kind of some of your quick thoughts on them. And the first one is, what is a libertarian? There's a lot of you know misconceptions about there. When you say you're a libertarian, what exactly do you mean? When I say I'm a libertarian, I mean that I want the government out of my economic matters and my personal life. And I tried to explain how that was different from liberals and conservatives. Obviously, liberals and conservatives, they have their differences with their philosophy. But most liberals want the government out of people's personal lives. But they do want the government to regulate the economy, to, you know, to a certain extent. You know, people have different views. And conservatives, they want the government out of the economy. But they do want the government to regulate personal lives to a certain extent. So libertarians just kind of want the government out of, you know, personal life and economic matters. And I think that should appeal to pretty much everyone. There's a lot of people, I believe, that are libertarians, but they don't know it. So when they hear libertarian, they're like, huh, that's a weird word. But when they look into it more, they say, hey, this actually describes me and what I believe in. Now, this is the one that anybody who's a libertarian or who's been on the Internet talking about libertarian ideas has seen many, many times. Julie, who would build the roads? Who would build all the stuff that we need without the government? Yeah, I, I just I just hate roads. That's <laughs> the worst. No, I mean, roads would still exist in a libertarian society. You know, government isn't the one who builds the roads. After all, it's construction companies. I believe, you know, I have faith in the free market would actually build the roads. And people say, well, who would pay for the roads? There are, I mean, there are a lot of different options. The thing about the free market is there's choice on how things are done. So it could be people who actually use the roads instead of being people being coerced to pay for the roads, whether they use them or not, you know, toll booths. But also, like, homeowners associations, businesses, they could all pay for the roads. So, you know, have no fear. There would still be roads in a libertarian society. Yeah, I always find it one of the most ridiculous objections because 
we already have private roads all over the place. You know, you have yeah. shopping centers, businesses are going to want people to come to their businesses, obviously, so they'll build roads. I mean, people need to get places. People are going to build roads. <laughs> We're not going to yeah. be concerned about the lack of just one politician up there pointing his finger and saying, build it there. <laughs> And what about this one? Uh, are libertarians are just a bunch of anarchists? We just want, you know, no law and order, you know, chaos everywhere. Um, some are anarchists, to be honest. Uh, it really depends. People who call themselves libertarians, some want the government to follow the Constitution, limit it to the powers in the Constitution. Some are minarchists, meaning they want government to have a couple of roles to protect us, maybe, you know, courts, military. And yeah, some are anarcho-capitalists. They don't want any, they don't want the state at all. I think there's a lot of different libertarians out there, so it's kind of hard to narrow down, you know, what one libertarian wants. Julia, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Where do you see yourself on that libertarian spectrum? We have our minarchists that are just for small government, the anarchists that believe we can do everything without any kind of government, constitutionalists, as you mentioned. Where do you find yourself landing on there? Um, I want the government to be as small as possible. I'm not a dreamer, you know. I'm very practical in how I work. That's my personality. Some might say I'm a little bit too practical, bordering on pessimism, but... I just want the government to be as small as possible. You know, I would like to have, I would like to try out the no state thing if that's what works. Um, yeah, just as small as possible, as quick as possible. I, I prefer to focus on, you know, short-term goals of actually, you know, reducing the government. Some people talk about no government. Well, look at Washington. I mean, how are you going to get from what we have big government now to anarchy? You have to have little steps. And I'm definitely in support of steps in the right direction. And what about, I love that you address this in your video, because it, it's really funny, and it, that's the ultimate libertarian insult. What is that? Well, well, I get this on my YouTube comments all the time. Why don't libertarians move to Somalia? <laughs> right. It's mostly the weather. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I would say that it's not really a libertarian society whatsoever, because when you look at Somalia, it's a failed socialist state over there that just kind of collapsed. It wasn't like they came together and said, you know, hey, I read this book by Murray Rothbard, Libertarians, let's give this a shot. No, the state just collapsed. And, you know, actually, when you look at it, over the past couple of years, those conditions there, you know, they're still bad. But they've slightly improved without a state. So that's kind of just, it's a very silly argument to make. Right. I mean, and everything is relative. I mean, libertarianism would just argue that, say, Somalia itself would be better with, you know, without a government than with their government, just as New York City would be better without a government than it would be with a really big government. It doesn't mean that you can apply that exact same theory, you know, act as if New York is the same as Somalia. They have many cultural yeah. differences, and those are the differences that you're going to point to and say, oh, no, you don't want libertarianism. It's just gonna, there's going to be pirates everywhere. Another objection you refute in, in this last video is, are all libertarians Republicans? Um, libertarians are a bunch of different political parties. Uh, some are in the Libertarian Party. That's a common thing that I get is people assuming that because I'm a libertarian, I'm part of the Libertarian Party. Well, I believe libertarianism is a, it's a political philosophy. You can be in any political party. So, and some libertarians are Republicans, not because, you know, they're big fans of most people in the Republican Party, they're not Lindsey Graham fans, but they believe that, you know, the Republican Party, we live in a two-party system, whether we like it or not, so the Republican Party is the best way to get a libertarian whose principle elected. Um, 
I assume, I don't really know of any libertarians in the Democratic Party. I assume they could be, but the Democratic Party is kind of just, eh, there's no hope there whatsoever. And then, yeah, some libertarians are not involved in the political system at all. So do you see kind of working through the Republican Party as kind of the best strategy available to us for advancing liberty? I mean, is that kind of, you know, why you work with Freedom Works and kind of work on supporting candidates and policy and that kind of thing? I don't want to tell people what to do. I don't want to be like, hey, join the Republican Party if you want to do it. But I don't think the Libertarian Party has much of a chance. You know, we've seen they only get a couple percent every election. I believe the Republican Party is the best way to get um, a Libertarian candidate elected. You know, Ron Paul, who I was a big supporter of, ran as a Republican. And when he ran as a Libertarian, he didn't get as much attention. He wasn't in the debates. He didn't get the media. Even though the media was so biased against Ron Paul, he didn't get the media attention back then. I believe it was 1988. So we look at a lot of Republicans, such as Thomas Massey in Kentucky, Justin Amash in Michigan, who are really principled libertarians. They just happen to have an R next to their name. And, yeah, they're actually in Congress, while we have no Libertarian Party candidates who actually have been in Congress. So, you know, I don't want to tell people what to do, but I think that's the best, probably the best option for me to do. What do you think about, you know, when other libertarians criticize some of these libertarian Republicans? You know, I know uh, a lot of libertarians were very upset about, you know, Rand Paul's support for sanctions against Iran. And he you know, he voted for sanctions, even came out and said that, you know, that he supported further sanctions against Iran. Do you see sanctions as an act of war? I mean, do you think that there are certain valid criticisms we can have while still, you know, supporting people when they're right, criticizing when they're wrong? I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. I believe that we should criticize them when they're wrong and praise them when they're right. I made a video about Mitt Romney last election. I did not endorse Mitt Romney whatsoever. But, you know, yeah, definitely praise them when they're right and criticize them when they're wrong. I actually criticized Rand Paul for that Iran-sanctioned vote, which I disagree with. But overall, Rand Paul has done a good job, so I think he deserves praise, you know. If someone's like 95% on our side, they deserve praise. Yeah, criticize them for the 5%, but don't just write them off as, oh, they're bad guys just because they disagree on, you know, 1% or 5%. I think Rand Paul is the most libertarian senator that we have, and it's kind of disappointing when I see libertarians criticize Rand Paul more than they criticize, you know, John McCain or Lindsey Glenn, who are, you know, 10 times as worse as Rand Paul. Rand Paul is, you know, pure libertarian, but he's, pretty good. Right. I mean, I think that's something that we see kind of when we criticize Rand Paul from time to time, you know, just like when he's wrong on certain issues, like with his Iran vote you know, and when he comes out in support of, say, saying, you know, the United States is always going to be a friend of Israel and, you know, we'll attack if Israel's attacked, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, we always praise him as well when we think he does right. But it, somehow it seems that we always get a lot more flack for the criticisms than we do for the praise. It's just funny how mm -hmm. it's maybe just another example of how libertarians often tend to focus on the negative when maybe we should try to yeah. focus on the positive a little bit more. Just one last question, going back to this video that I think is an interesting topic that comes up all the time. It's, it's a common objection to libertarianism. Aren't libertarians just naive about human nature? You know, people are always going to steal, always going to fight. So we got to have this big government to just keep us all in check You know, from ourselves, I guess. This is the, the argument. I think libertarians have different views on human nature. Some think it's good, some think it's bad. I tend to be on the more bad side. I think it's probably inherently bad. But it's just like, well, if all humans are inherently evil, 
why would you want some men to roll over other men? I think that's crazy. Why don't you want them just to be, you know, level instead of, you know, having rulers and dictators? I mean, when we look through history, yeah, dictators have done some really bad things, and that's what you get from big governments. Julie, thank you so much for joining us today on the Lines of Liberty podcast. Before I let you go, where can everybody find your work, uh, find you on social media, your videos, all that good stuff? Plug away. I'm on Facebook, facebook.com slash Julie Borowski. I'm on Twitter, hashtag Julie Borowski. And YouTube, Token Libertarian Girl, youtube.com slash Token Libertarian Girl. Thank you for having me on. Be sure to check out those videos, guys, because they really are entertaining. Thanks a lot, Julie. Take care. Thank you. Bye. And we will be back after a word from our sponsors. This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at theplacetobenation.com, your pop culture home. Agree to disagree. Yeah, it's a radio show we have on thenewamericanmedia.com every single Friday at 4.30 p.m. Pacific. Join the show. What do we talk about? Politics, religion, and spirituality. Basically anything you're not supposed to talk about in a bar. <laughs> you're not supposed to have these conversations inside of a bar, but we have them every single Friday at 4.30 p.m. Pacific on thenewamericanmedia.com. Join the show, offer your opinion, and let's agree to disagree, but let's have a good conversation. This is Glenn Jacobs, and you're listening to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Julie Borowski, as I certainly did. I think Julie Borowski is a great example of how to find unique, interesting ways to spread the ideas of liberty to others. Now, that's our mission over at LinesOfLiberty.com, to advance the ideas of liberty daily. That's why we started the website. You know, there's a lot of ways that you guys can all do that. You can be like Julie Borowski. You can just start making YouTube videos out of your apartment, finding funny and interesting ways to convey ideas to others. You can be like Chris Rossini, who we interviewed back in Episode 8. He became a libertarian. He found a website. He thought really did a great job of expressing the ideas he agreed with over at economicpolicyjournal.com. And he just made himself known to Robert Wenzel, who runs that site, started helping out any way he could, offering his assistance. And eventually he translated that into a role producing The Robert Wenzel Show. And now he's contributing his writing to several websites, including Economic Policy Journal, the Ron Paul Institute, and our very own website, Lions of Liberty. Hey, you could be like me, <laughs> and you could just get some friends together and say, hey, we're going to start a website, and just pull the trigger. Go find a domain, start writing, toss it up there. Maybe you'll go buy yourself a microphone and start recording a podcast like I did a few months ago. Whatever you do, do what feels right. Follow your passions. Maybe it's art, making movies, telling jokes, writing poems, whatever it is. Spend less time thinking about it, and more time doing it. Just get out there and do it. If you're passionate and you come from an honest place, people will respond. You never know how. You never know how many. There's no point in wasting your time thinking about it. You just got to do it. And you never know when something you do is going to reach many people. You know, I posted an interview I did with Walter Block a few weeks ago. 
And just a few hours after I posted it, because I'm obsessed sometimes, even though I'm telling you not to be, I went and looked at the stats to see how many people had listened to the interview. Over 12,000 people had listened to this thing a few hours after I posted it, and I was blown away. I have no idea to this day who or where it was posted that got that many views so quickly. I, have, I don't have a clue. But it did, and people listened to it. And hopefully some people are still listening today. The point is, if you're passionate about the ideas of liberty, heck, if you're passionate about anything at all, get off your keister and do it. <laughs> Don't wait for the right time, because there's no right time. There's no perfect time when the stars have magically aligned and this is the exact day. That day is never going to come. You just got to one day start making it, improve as you go, and don't be afraid to put it out there. You never know who's going to find it. You never know who's going to find something you do and get interested in the ideas of liberty and start looking into this stuff just like you or I have. Maybe this is it for you. Maybe this episode of the Lions of Liberty podcast with Julie Borowski is your moment. Well, if it is, don't ignore it. Keep researching. Keep learning. And maybe someday you'll produce something of your own as well. And of course, don't forget to check out what myself and my cohorts have produced over at lionsofliberty.com. You can also keep track of us on your social media, your Twitter, at Lions of Liberty, Facebook.com slash Lions of Liberty. Find us on Google+. And if you like what you're hearing on this little podcast, remember, you can subscribe via iTunes or via the Stitcher radio app. Or just come on over and check out the archive over at lionsofliberty.com slash podcast. And also, guys, I'm always looking for your feedback. If you love the show, hate the show, you know, what can I do better? What guests do you want me to have? Should I stop ranting so much? I mean, I don't know. You tell me. And don't forget to check back in next week when we'll be speaking with John Whitehead of the Rutherford Institute. Until next time, live long and live free. Head of Editing and Mastering is John Daugherty.